So this morning we're in the book of John chapter 10 and in case you haven't uh, been here on an ongoing basis or you don't remember we're not doing a verse by verse exegetical study but we're kind of taking a survey and there are verses along the way that I want to point out. Now this is a, a powerful passage of scripture. I'd encourage you to read through the book of John. John chapter 10, I've personally preached on this many, many times but there are a couple of verses that I've never touched on and one of them this morning we're going to to open up. It's a verse I've never really even touched on. Peter Scott, Peter Cameron Scott founded African Inland Missions. He was actually born in 1867 in Scotland. And he went out as a missionary. God was moving in Scotland in the late 1800s, um, moving quite, quite prominently. There was a lot of things that went on. Great revivals went on. And Peter Scott founded this African, uh, African Inland Mission. So as he went out, as happened with a lot in his generation, um, when he got to uh, Africa, he ended up getting malaria, and he had to come back, after a very short order, he had to come back to Britain. So he got healed up and decided to go back. This time, it was a real treat for him because he was joined by his brother John. So Peter and John went, and they were going to the inland areas uh, of Africa, reaching out, doing missions work, and John became sick with a fever. His brother John became sick with a fever and actually died. So Peter brings his brother along with him on this missions trip, and his brother dies. And Peter, by himself, had to bury his brother. Interesting while he was at the graveside, Peter rededicated himself to preaching the gospel. Now think about that for just a minute. You've got a project going on. You're going on this mission trip. You've gone, you've had to come back. You go again and you bring your brother with you and he dies while you're there. And at his brother's graveside, he rededicates his life to Christ. He rededicates his life to the mission of preaching. How many of us, no, no show of hands, you don't have to show your hand, but how many of us would actually take that approach at the death of our brother or our sister or a loved one that decided to come along with us, decided to join us? I'm sure he's talking to his buddy or his brother and he's telling him all about it and his brother's like, man, I'd like to go. And so he joins him and then he dies during the trip. Many of us instead would blame God and we would run. So a little time goes by and Peter finds himself with more health issues and he has to return to Britain utterly discouraged. You ever felt that way? You ever felt really discouraged? Maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're really discouraged with the work of the gospel that's gone on in your life. Like you've, you've tried things, you've attempted things, and then you get discouraged because they go wrong. Amen. It happens, doesn't it? The apostle Paul, when he talks about the body of Christ, he said, when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And it seems like sometimes we go through this. You ever notice that sometimes it seems like one part of the body suffers over and over and over again. You go, what happened to me? How come this keeps happening to me? I've had one of those instances in the last month. So I was, about a month ago, I was working on a roof and I had a hammer and I'm on the roof 
And I gotta line up this board so in order to not damage the board that I'm lining up, I have another board in my hand and I take my hammer full swing as hard as I can go and I'm gonna pound this board into place and I lost my footing and I smashed my finger. Full swing, not just tapping. This was a full swing. So a couple of weeks go by and I lose my fingernail. Now, as the fingernail is growing back, you know, one part of it's a little rough. I know some of you are going like, dude, I don't even want to know this. Okay, one part of it's a little rough, and I go to grab a shirt one day and put on a shirt, and I hook that, and I rip that off again. You know how your whole body's like, I mean, every part of your body, my knees go weak just thinking about it. And then last week, I'm building a deck and I've got this board and I've got nail over here and then I go to crank on it and it's not coming into place so I, I reach up and I pull again and I got an air nailer and I drive a 16 penny nail which is about three inches long right into the end of that finger on the back side of the board. Yeah, some of you are going Ugh, and others are going ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and I gotta pull my nail off of that finger now the good part was, since I didn't have any fingernail, I already had a bandage on there, so I actually stuck the nail through the band-aid, through the glove, through the band-aid, into the finger. So the blood was relatively com contained to the, to the glove. I'm sure at this point my finger is ready to say, you know what, I want to secede from the union. I'm not sure what I've done to deserve all of this. My whole body is like, ah! Honestly, I think, put things down in your knees or you just think what if we have blood going everywhere brand new deck blood all over the brand new deck that was really disheartening so I'm gonna go home and I thought you know what is the sense in going home I gotta come back and finish thing anyhow so I grab more blue tape and wrap my finger with blue tape and cut the end out of my glove so I can fit my finger with the blue tape and the thing on there and go and work for the next four or five hours and get that deck done because you gotta get the deck done right Sometimes you just have to push forward. You ever feel like you're that finger? Right? Sometimes it seems like no matter what I do, no matter what I do, no matter what I do, it just goes wrong. And you will never, you will never hit your finger so many times on so many silly things as you will after you've ripped the nail off and smashed it with a, a hammer. You, you hit it 100 times in 15 minutes. But you know what? You probably would have hit that nail 100 times in 15 minutes anyhow. You just didn't notice because it was in a good place. It was safe. This is a word for you. If you're a believer, if you're sitting here and you're, you're discouraged, you say, you know what? I've just, I've had enough. I've just had enough. Hang on. Hang on, keep going. Yeah, you've taken a few bumps along the way, so it feels like everything is absolutely detrimental and you can't make it one more step. I'm telling you, you've been bumped like that before. Hang on, God will get you through it, right? Do you believe that? Three of you believe that. You believe that? God will bring you through that. This man, Peter Scott, actually through all the difficulty, decided that he was not only gonna keep forwarding ahead, but he was gonna rededicate his life to Christ. He finds himself back in London after he gets sick again. He visits Westminster Abbey, and he's standing at the tomb of David Livingston. 
David Livingston was a great preacher of the early 1800s and he, and he was a, a, an evangelist, he was a missionary and he reads these words on his tomb. These words come from John chapter 10. Jesus speaking and Jesus said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. God used those words to give Peter Scott a confidence to return to Africa. And the truth of the matter is, the fruit of his ministry still exists in Africa today. From the late 1800s, his work still exists today. This speaks to me. It speaks to me, and I hope it speaks to us this morning. In John chapter 9, Jesus has been talking to the religious leaders after healing a blind man. And he's addressing their spiritual blindness. And the religious leaders don't like to hear about this. They don't want to hear that they themselves are spiritually blind. But Jesus wants them to understand that they're blind. Even though they think they got it going on, they are blind to spiritual things. And then we get to John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate. Get a picture. Get a picture. Get a picture. Here's a large sheep pen. There's, there, it's on the edge of town. There's, it's a corral, if you will. And there is a, a tender. There's a gate tender. And he's responsible to keep all the sheep from everybody's. If five of us come in there and we've each got flocks of sheep, he's responsible to open the gate and let the sheep in so that the shepherd can go and have a night in town and eat and shower and clean and shave and get himself all prettied up for the sheep. And then the, the shepherd comes back and he comes through the gate. He says to the gate tender, will you open up the gate? Sure, and then he walks in and he stands there and he calls his sheep. Come on, Bubba. Come on, come on, Billy. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. And, and his sheep come out, they follow his voice. They come out and then he just walks away and they keep following. That's the picture. And Jesus said, anybody who tries to sneak in any other way is a thief. He's a robber. He's not coming through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus, in verse six, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again. So they don't get it. They're religious leaders. Jesus is saying you got people who are not following you because you're, you're, you're coming in the wrong way. You're telling them about God, but you're coming about it all wrong. You're not telling them about the grace. You're not telling them about the mercy. You're not telling them about the hope. You're not telling them about the law. You're telling them about all the rules. You gotta do it by the rules. You gotta do it by the rules. So Jesus is talking to these leaders and he said, you're, you're missing the whole point. He's the shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's come from God. You're looking for a deliverer. You're looking for a savior. Here I am, Jesus is saying. 
You want, a, a, you want a deliverer. You want a, a, a spiritual deliverer, an eternal deliverer. Jesus is the way to God. But he goes on in verse 8. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and they will go and they will find pasture. A thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, it seems like we read this verse often and we pray this verse, but we usually pray it out of context. We're praying about the devil. Jesus isn't talking about the devil here. He's talking about religious leaders taking people down a wrong path. Now, we can pray it about the devil because he's a thief and he steals and he kills and destroys. But Jesus came to give spiritual life here. He goes on. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. He's, he's, he's predicting, he's really, he's talking about what's gonna happen at crucifixion here. There's so much in this. Just read these verses slowly. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. The wolf attacks and scatters the flock. The man runs away because he's hired and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Look at that verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Hang on to that. Keep that rolling around. And then we get to verse 16. And he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. So there's a couple of things going on here. First of all, Jesus is trying to let these religious leaders know that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Just because of the very miracles, he just healed a blind guy. Right? You got a blind guy. He's been blind since birth. Jesus heals him, and they're like, yeah, but, but what's our sign from God? Does he go to the temple on, on Saturday? I mean, did he go to the Sabbath? Is he celebrating the Sabbath? Is he doing all the festivals, right? Jesus said, just because of the testimony of the miracles, you should know I'm from God. But they're blind. Understand that. They don't see that. They're blind. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. Jesus takes care of his sheep. He was talking to these religious leaders. Now, how many of you know, and we've learned this over years and years of, of reading scripture, and, and if you're familiar with, with the church at all, if you're familiar with God's word at all, you know that Israel is this chosen people, right? God worked through Abraham, and Israel is supposed to be this chosen nation, and so here are these religious leaders, and Jesus is saying, guess what? Israel is like one pen, and you're not the only pen that I have sheep in. I have sheep in other pens. We're going to read it a little bit later. They did not like that. Can you imagine thinking that you're, you're like, you're, you're all that in a box of chocolates? I mean, like, you're the, this is it. You're the best, man. You're the best. But, you know, I mean, you're, you're my, best, my best friend, but I got friends in other sheep pens. I got friends over here. 
too. And you're a great friend, but I got friends over here too. You're like, wait, what, what happened? I thought we were besties. I thought we were like gonna go to, we're gonna do everything together. These religious leaders are acting more like high school kids, junior high. I thought we were the ones that you came for. Jesus did come for them, but they rejected him, right? Jesus takes care of his sheep. This is the Messiah who was supposed to come for them. So we get to verse 16. And John makes it vastly clear. He makes it clear all throughout the book of John that for those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you're going to heaven. It's been bought and it's been paid for. You're on your way. If you've accepted Jesus, you might say, well, you know, I've gone to church an awful lot in my life. I put a couple bucks in every week. That's nice and that's good. But if you have not believed and placed your confidence in the, the salvation, in the blood of Jesus, the fact that he gave his life on the cross to redeem you, you're not going to heaven. Heaven comes for those who have repented of their sins. How many of you know that we sin? How many of you know that we're sinners? Any of you out here sin? We're sinners, right? We're saved only by the blood of Jesus Christ. If, if that's a hard word, if you don't like that, I'm sorry, I didn't make it up. You can read about it all through the book of John. Jesus is speaking through there that, that this is the way to him. And he's talking to these leaders. So he makes it vastly clear that for you and I, if you've accepted what Christ Jesus has done, that there is eternity. There's eternal life for us. Peter Cameron Scott was restored to almost this invincible confidence when he got hold of God's word that said there are other sheep and I must bring them in. It's an un have you got have you got that unshakable confidence knowing that you're part of the body of Christ. See my finger Although it probably wanted to retaliate and leave my body after I smashed it, I ripped the nail off of it twice and then shot it with a nail, would probably have loved to have gone someplace else, but where is it going to go? As difficult as your life is when you're buried in Christ, where else are you going to go? Do you have that unshakable confidence that you know that Jesus is the shepherd and you're following him? That's something you have to answer. That's something today I hope you can walk out of this place and go, you know what? Maybe I'm not that sure and I need to get more sure. I hope you walk out of here today and you recognize that that's who you are. Look, David, in the Old Testament, David had an understanding of Christ that I think a lot of people don't understand. In Psalms 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. Out of all the things that maybe I have or I don't have, I lack nothing because of Christ. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Get a hold of that. When God tries to take you down a road 
This is a whole other sermon, okay? I'm going to start, though. God tries to take you down a road that you don't want to go down. A road of righteousness. Maybe it's a road that's difficult. Maybe it's a road that's hard. Maybe it's a road where God is calling you to honesty or he's calling you to integrity in an area that you're just, you don't want to go down because it's going to make you, it's going to make other people offended. You're going to stand up for righteousness. He's going to take you down that road for his sake, not for yours. Have you ever stood up for something that you absolutely knew was right and you had to stand there and it seemed like you stood by yourself for righteousness sake David says God leads us down these paths even though I walk through the darkest valley NIV says the King James says even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil because you're with me your rod and your staff they comfort me that's for Direction, a staff is for direction, a rod is for correction. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David says, I recognize that God is a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. And we find in Psalms 51, David, who has just sinned with Bathsheba, repents. He ends up repenting when Nathan confronts him. He repents, and when he does, he recognizes that God alone can wash him whiter than snow. He has a revelation of who Christ is. You and I need to have that revelation of who Christ is, that God can clean us whiter than snow. Do you know why Scripture says whiter than snow? Do you know why it says that? As science has proven that snow now is frost that crystallizes around a grain of dirt. Without that dirt, the frost has nothing to crystallize around. Whiter than snow, cleaner than snow, fresher than snow. We don't even have to have that dirt anymore in our life. God wants to lead us down that road. David asks God to cleanse him and wash him. In Romans, Paul says this in Romans, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. If somebody could bring, okay, even if, let's just say this, let's just say that Wendy owes $150,000 to the bank, and she has no way to pay it off, and I'm like, you know what, I'll pay that debt for you. Here, I'll open up my checkbook. She's gonna feel, even though I say, you don't have to pay me back, she's gonna feel an obligation. She's really gonna work at not ticking me off at any time soon, right? Because I just paid off a huge debt for her. Paul says, when you've accepted God, don't offer yourself any part of your body, don't offer any part of your body to wickedness, but offer it to God who paid the price for you. He, he brought you from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as instrument of righteousness. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus comes and he offers us eternal life. And he's offering eternal life to Israel, to the religious leaders. And they don't get it. 
If you and I want this eternal life, it's simple. It is so simple. It's free, but it'll cost you your life. You simply have to repent of going the way that you've been going. And you're sitting here saying, well, pastor, I've done that, otherwise I wouldn't be in church. Just make sure. Repent, turn from your sin, away from your sin towards God. Make every step towards him. I have other sheep that are not in this pen. I must bring them. They too will listen to my voice. Jesus said, I have other sheep. Hang in here with me now. Because this is where, this is where we, we kind of get, get a little deep. Jesus said, I have. So Jesus has come to Israel as their shepherd, their deliverer, their Messiah. They're looking for a shepherd. They're looking for a deliverer. They're looking for a Messiah. But Jesus said, I have other sheep. I have other followers, not from Israel. He's creating a new people, according to the book of Revelation. He's creating a new people, a new flock. I have other sheep. I have. He already has. He has already. I, are, I have other sheep. Has he preached to the other flocks? Has he ever been to America at this point in time? Has he preached to you and me? But he has other sheep. Hang on. The first thing we need to see is that he already has them. You say, well, how can he already have them? He already has them because they already belong to God. How many of you know God exists outside of the constraints of time? Right? God knows the beginning from the end, right? You believe that? Remember this is my analogy. Anybody ever heard my analogy of fruitcake? Do I got to share my analogy of fruitcake? I'm going to share my analogy of fruitcake. Okay. In the beginning, you take all these nuts and these berries and these things and you mix them all together. And at the end, they all end up in their place. Now, I didn't know where they were going to end up. But you mix them all together and they're all going to end up in their place. God sees all the fruits and nuts and the berries. That'd be us. He sees us at the end right where we're going to be. He already knows. He knows. A buddy of mine's telling me he's up on a roof one day and he's, he's shingling. He's, so he's putting he's put shingles down. His five-year-old son is down on the ground playing around and he's near the electric fence. And he's getting close to the electric fence so he runs down off the roof. No, 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 don't play with the fence. You're going to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. Goes back up on the roof. Five minutes later, his son is next to the electric fence. Down the ladder. No, 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 you just slap his hand. Stay away from the fence. He's up on the roof. He looks down finally. He's like, you know what? It's not going to kill him. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, he knew the beginning from the end. He knew his son was going to go over and touch that electric fence. You ever known that? You ever been in a situation? Now God is so much farther than you and I could ever know. So much, but he knows the beginning from the end. He knows who's going to be in heaven at the end of this thing that we call time, and he knows who's not. He knew before the foundation of the world who was going to end up. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay, so my buddy says all of a sudden his five-year-old touches the fence. Ah! Screaming, wailing, gnashing of teeth. 
well, didn't kill him, and he's not going back, and then the three-year-old comes out and is headed for the fence, and the five-year-old tackled him. Ah, don't do it, don't do it. You see, God knows the beginning from the end, all right? Jesus had sheep in other pens because God knew the beginning from the end. He knew where there were more people that needed to come in rather than just Israel. He knew that. I, so in John chapter 17, verse 6, when Jesus is praying to the Father, he says, I have revealed you to those that you gave me out of the world. There's another pen. God owns this, this pen, and he gave Jesus these sheep from another pen, and Jesus said, I have revealed you to those that you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. So there are sheep that were God's, they were given to Jesus, and as the gospel was preached, they followed, they were God's sheep, God gave them to Jesus, they followed. Jesus said, I must bring them. That word must here is crucial. Your salvation, my salvation, the salvation that was included in that. I must bring them. It's like this divine thing that has to happen. He, he's, because, because God knew from the foundation of time that your, your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you must come. Jesus preaches the gospel. You hear the word and you, you follow. You're like, I thought I had a choice. You do have a choice, but God knows the beginning from the end. Any of this making sense? Is it just me? Are we as lost as ever? Okay. Hang on. Hang on. I must, Jesus said, I must bring these other sheep along. You say, well, okay, so how does Jesus do that today? Because he's like not here. I'm really glad you asked. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together, the door was locked. Grab a hold of this. You're in a room. The door is locked. The disciples were afraid of the Jewish leaders, and Jesus comes and stands among them and says, peace be with you. He apparently just walked through a door or a wall and says, peace be with you. Too late. It's gone. I don't have any peace right now. After he said this, he showed them his hands, holes in his hands, showed them his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You say, well, how is Jesus going to call these sheep? God gave these sheep to Jesus. How is he going to call them now that he's been crucified? The, the same sheep that the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus now gives to us. Marlis Eiley, Jim Hokinson, Raymond Schaefer, God has given those sheep now to us. Right? One amen, just one amen. That's all I need, just one and I'll keep going. And with that, 
he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they're forgiven. Do you know that you have the power to forgive someone of their sins? You're like, wait a minute. I'm just me. Like, how can I forgive? I'm like, I'm not God. Christ in us is what? The hope of glory, right? He's in you. Somebody comes before you, they want to change their life, they want to repent. You have the opportunity to release them from the guilt of their sins. You can forgive them of their sins and they'll be forgiven. Did you know you have that power? Because the Bible also says if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. You probably didn't come to church this morning expecting this. That's okay. John chapter 17, Jesus prays for all believers. Jesus actually, Jesus actually right here in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, he was praying for you. My father, my, he said, my prayer is not for them all. He's thanking God for his disciples. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We got Peter. We got all the boys who were here who were his followers. And Jesus decides to pray for them. And he tells God, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. How many of you believe in God? Wait a minute. How many of you believe in God because of what you've read in this book through this message? How many of you believe in God? Because guess what? That means Jesus prayed for you in John chapter 17. He prayed for you. And the Bible says he, he lives to make intercession for you today. What, what's he praying about? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what he's praying about. There are a whole bunch of sheep that belong to the Father. And those sheep were given to the Son. And the Son has given them to us. And we have to go and collect them because Jesus said, I must bring them with me. You see, you don't get to come to church on Sunday morning once every three weeks or once every four weeks and just hear a, a great worship team and an average sermon and get to walk out of here and say I did my part because I gave five bucks God's going to hold you to a higher standard you came and you heard the word and we are responsible to go out and to share the gospel. And then what did Jesus say after that? These are my sheep. I must bring them with me. They will listen to my voice. Well, where are they gonna hear his voice? If you're a believer, raise your hand. That's where they're gonna hear his voice is through us, Right? They're not going to hear it any other way. How are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? How is somebody going to preach unless they go out and preach? That's us. That's us. It's me and you. It's us. There are sheep in pens that are listening. They're, they're looking to hear God's voice, and that's going to come from us. And you say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm afraid to share my faith. How about you pretend you were dead 
and now you're alive and tell somebody about it. I don't like to be all preachy. Then don't preach. How about just give a reason for the hope that you have? You do have hope, right? We've got some hope in our life? Because we don't have hope. You might as well just cut the finger off. We don't need it anyhow. I got hope that that thing's going to come back and be strong. We got some hope in our lives, right? I mean, we're not, we're not left as, as foreigners and strangers. We get to walk with God. He's our shepherd. He prepares a place for us in the midst of our enemies. When that finger was hurting so bad, I prepared a place close to my heart, holding it up separate. I actually have been shaking hands all morning, and I'm keeping that, that finger in a very separate place, removed from everybody's hand. It's not because I want you to know about my finger. It's because I want it protected. My grandson grabbed it last night and squeezed the end of my finger. So I grabbed his thumb and I squeezed his thumb and he said, that didn't hurt. I said, it hurted me. <laughs> I think I even said hurted. I'm afraid. I don't want to be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Be Christ. Listen, I, I, I want to tell you something. I think that there's a, there's a picture here, this next passage of scripture. John chapter 10, the, the, the leaders have said, well, if you're trying to tell us who you are, why don't you just be plain and just tell us? And he said, I have been telling you. He probably didn't do it quite that way. John chapter 10, verse 22. Then came the festival of the dedication at Jerusalem. It's winter. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. And the Jews were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Like, I just raised people from the dead. I just healed people. I'm making you all these promises. My, my miracles alone should be a testimony. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you don't believe. Hang on to that for a second. I told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you don't believe because you are not my Sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one against against the Jewish opponents, again, 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 the Jewish opponents picked up stones and tried to stone him. Jesus said, I did these miracles. I asked, answered all your questions. You want to know if I'm the Messiah. I'm telling you the Messiah. And they pick up a rock and they're going to try and stone him because he says, guess what? If you don't hear my voice, you're not my sheep. And they didn't like it. Hang on, because this, be this might be a bit of a testimony. This might be a bit of what you and I might experience, right? You tell somebody about the love of God, they might not like it. They might not want to listen. If they're not one of his sheep, they might not like it. They might even want to do you harm, especially as the days get darker. Darker. 
as the days go farther along, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, sinners are gonna love sin even more and they might not like it. Sheep that are not part of Christ's fold, if they're not part of his sheepfold, they might not like it and they might not like you. And they might not like a church that preaches the gospel. They might not want to hear about the fact that they need to repent. They might not like the fact that they shouldn't offer their body to sin. They might not like that, and they might not like us. But you know what Jesus never did? He never begged them, oh, please, please, come and follow me. Come on, you're just so special. I really need you in the kingdom. You really ought to come. It's really good. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, just follow me. Come on, just follow me. Would you just follow me? Come on, follow me. You know what he did? He said, what you need to do, you need to kick the dust off your shoes and move on because there are other sheep in other pens that need to hear the word and when they hear the word they're going to respond and they're going to come and they're going to follow so if you feel discouraged if you feel like all the work you've ever done for God is just a waste because nobody followed pull up your pants cinch your belt knock the dust off your feet and keep preaching the gospel Amen. Amen. Keep living your life like Jesus just redeemed you. You know why? Because he did. We hang on in that way. I told my finger, I really don't care that there's a hole on one side and nerves on the other. We're going to wrap it up and we're going to move on. We're going to keep going. We're going to finish the deck tonight. And guess what? We finished the deck. Hole in my finger and all. Did I baby it a little bit? Yes. Did I cry just a little bit? If you've never shared the gospel, if you have never shared the good news, if you've stopped sharing the good news, start again. Start again. Start again. Jesus said, I have other sheep and I must bring them with me. They're going to hear my voice and they're going to follow. And today, you and I are that voice. We're that voice. And you say, you know what? They don't want to follow me. Well, fine. But don't get discouraged. Don't throw in the towel. We're the body of Christ. We're the option. We're plan A. We're it. Jesus, isn't, as much as you see people putting, I get Facebook where there's, you know, this thing went by in the sky and that went, look at the cross. Well, how about look at that cross? We'll follow Christ. That, those signs and wonders, that stuff's going to happen. We need to follow Jesus. And when we do, there are going to be some difficult days because other people are going to think we're religious and you're judgmental and you're critical. I pray, I pray that I don't go that direction, that I don't become critical. And every now and again, God needs to realign my heart because it's easy to go there we need to continue to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. He came to take you from the very pit of hell that you're living in right now and set you free from that, to bring you from death to life through the gate, through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer.
God, I thank you for each person who's here today. I thank you for each person who hears this word. And I pray that we would grab a hold of the truth of it. You've got us in your hand. You're never going to let us go. We've chosen to follow you. God, you're never going to lose a grip on us. We don't have to worry about that. Even though things get difficult, nobody's going to snatch us out of your hand. But there are other sheep in other pens that we need to be reaching out for. We need to be declaring your truth for. It doesn't have to get highfalutin. It doesn't have to be all preachy. It doesn't have to be. We just need to share the truth. And they're going to hear, not because they're hearing us, but because your spirit has been doing work behind the scene already, preparing their hearts. And if they don't hear us, let's move on. Help us, God, to be diligent in following you and not worrying about how we feel if somebody says no to the gospel. You're an awesome God. God, this morning we just love you so much. We thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you. Thank you that you've redeemed us. Thank you that you've set us free. Thank you that you've given us your spirit. Thank you that you've poured out your life for us. Thank you that you not only died, you defeated the enemy, you came back for us. Thank you, God, for doing that. You walked through walls to speak to your disciples. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for your goodness in your life and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Challenge us this week. Challenge us this week. To share the gospel with our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you. And don't be afraid to share the gospel this week.